Well, Pentecostal son, some of the things that happened to them was it said tongues of fire were upon their heads. And uh, the people from all around heard the wind. They ran and they heard these people speaking in languages that were their own languages. Because remember, this is the Passover. People are coming from all different parts of the, the world around them and heard them speaking in their own language. But they didn't. the people that were speaking them didn't know that those languages. That was the day of Pentecost. Pente, 50 days after Passover. And uh, I have a recording. During the Azusa Street outpouring. And while she was there, Toronto, the Holy Spirit movement happened in Toronto, the Hebden Mission. People were baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues from all kinds of different denominations. And many denominations them to leave their churches or kick them out, depending on the, on the type of governance model. With the organized religion, so in 1906 or 8, they said, let's just keep meeting together. But by about 1920, they realized that we need to get organized, and so they formed the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. And in other parts of the world, the same thing happened. Last night I was uh, speaking in West Toronto after the service, because it was Pentecost Sunday weekend, and so I preached there to a church with a number of Hungarian people, and one of the brothers that was there came to me, an older gentleman, and he knew people who were there, who he met in his lifetime, that were in Hungary. I never really heard too much about the Hungarian outpouring, and that's because it was pretty small. But that pouring of the Holy Spirit just went across the world. In many, many countries, there was a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And this brother said to me, you know, in our country, when these people got baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Orthodox churches and the Roman Catholic churches did not appreciate it. And they tried to snuff it out. The the church leaders said, so you don't want to be sprinkled? Well, okay, let's go out into the river and get baptized. And when they were baptized, they held them under until they drowned. He says, other times they took them put them in the horse trough full of water, and drowned them. He didn't know. It was never nice in those days. <laughs> I'm, I'm a first-generation Pentecostal, so I'm so thankful for those. Our movement is fourth or fifth generation now. So we've been around a while. But I thank God for those early people that put up with all the abuse With all the ridicule, (laughs) so that today, though we have nothing to boast about, and I say that absolutely, God has still blessed us so that we're the largest evangelical denomination in Canada. So what? There's so many thousands of people, hundreds of thousands, millions that aren't saved. There's nothing to boast about, but only to say that God has been faithful because of the sacrifice of our early fathers. Amen? The baptism in the Holy Spirit was not just a one-time event. As I mentioned already, it happened throughout history. Even before Hebden Mission, Toronto, and Winnipeg, there was a group of people in Kingston, the Irvingites, 
coming from the Irving family, they were seeking the Holy Spirit in the 1800s, and the Holy Spirit was outpoured in people's spoken tongues. It's just the way it is. If we get serious with seeking God, God will start to do miracles. God will pour out his spirit. God will empower his people. And he'll give us boldness to witness like we never have before. You know, as a regional director, assistant to the superintendent, more or less in western Ontario, and in Toronto, had lots of opportunities to meet people from many different countries. They come to our country, it seems, with one thing in mind, not just to find a nicer, better way of life, but they came here with a goal to plant a church. (laughs) So they would start to plant churches because that was in their DNA. And so they started to plant churches, then they would come and say, we'd like to be a part of the Pentecostal assemblies. And so I would meet with them, and a few times I was surprised by some of the things that happened. One day I was responding to an email that came to the office, so they gave it to me, because Brampton was part of my area. And it was a Roman Catholic priest that was writing to our office, and he said, I'd like to talk to someone because I'd like to become a Pentecostal. Okay. So I thought, well, I'll meet him. So I met him at a Starbucks in Brampton. And as I began to talk to him, he told me that he believed everything we believe. He believed about the gifts of the Spirit. He believed that it wasn't correct to pray to anyone other than through Jesus Christ. All of the right things that what I consider right what I consider biblical. And he said, I would like to become a Pentecostal. And for, all, for the reasons that I said, because I believe. And then he said, he leaned forward and he said, I'd like to get married too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I said to him, Have, you know about the Holy Spirit. You've studied our, our denomination, obviously. Yes, I do. You, you know about tongues? Yes. Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoken in tongues? No, I haven't. So I said to him, listen, you need to find a Pentecostal church here in Brampton. So he found a Pentecostal church. I said, go and introduce yourself to the pastor. I know him. And tell him that I sent you. And just ask for him to pray for you that God will fill you with the Holy Spirit. So he went and talked to our pastor in one of the Brampton churches And after he talked with him, he went home and God filled him with the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Incredible. I met some wonderful people from various different culture groups. Uganda, Spanish people, husband and wife, both in ministry, doing a great job in Oakville. And the husband was baptized in the Spirit and spoke in tongues, but the wife had never spoken in tongues. So we finished the interview and we said to the wife, you know, or to the husband, you you can... You're going to be granted credentials, but uh, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to his wife. And I said, why don't you go home? I said, go home tonight. And when you go home, get alone with God and ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Guess what? The next day she called, God filled me with the Holy Spirit. Pastor from Uganda, same thing. Doing a great job for God. Notice, these people are doing a great job for God but they still haven't had the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So we've got to get that straight. We're not the only ones that do things for great for God. They were doing great things. Their church was growing. He had never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
And so I said to him the same thing with the other two pastors, Pastor Blake from Willowdale and Pastor Will from Richmond Hill. And we prayed for him in Pastor Will's church, and he went home. The next day I was meeting with Pastor... Uh, no, with the, with the district superintendent, I'm in the office uh, having our meeting, I should say, or the regional directors, and I got a text from our Ugandan pastor. He says, I got it. <laughs> 5 a.m. in the morning, he said, when I got up to go and work in Newmarket, the Holy Spirit filled me, and I spoke in tongues. One of the most puzzling ones for me was a friend of mine from Afghanistan, he taught himself the, how to uh, understand English by getting a Bible, English Bible, and he learned English that way. He converted from Islam to Christianity and fled Afghanistan because they were going to kill him. And then he went to Pakistan, had similar type problem, made his way to India. He got into India and it wasn't much different there. The Muslim area where he was because he went where his people were to win them. He's winning people to Jesus Christ. He's planting churches. And now the authorities in India are ready to throw him in jail or execute him in that part of India. So anyway, by a miracle of the grace of God, one of our Pentecostal churches sponsored him and he arrived in Canada. When he arrived here in Canada, Toronto, this is just like several years ago, five or six years ago. He arrived here. The first thing he did was he went over to, I don't know what you call it these days, Flemington Park area or wherever a lot of people that are Islamic live. And there he began to minister to the people. He ministered to other people and he started to plant a church among the Indian people that he would know from his experience there. And he began his church to grow. So he's just a success story to me. He's an inspiration to me. And I'm in Portico Church doing his interview. Uh, His Portico was the church that sponsored him. We're doing the interview, and I was looking through his, his, I never really thought to look at this question, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And and he said, no. And and no, how are you doing all these? (laughs) You know, I didn't say it that way, but because I realize that's uh, another story. But anyway surprised me. So I said, you know, you're putting me to shame with all the things you're doing for God, but I am sorry. You know, in our Pentecostal church, we believe it's important that you have the baptism in the Holy Spirit evidenced by speaking in tongues. And so I said, you need to seek God for this. And uh, so I encourage you to do that. He did that. And in a prayer meeting later that week, I think it was, or the next week, He was in Portico Church at a midweek prayer meeting, and while he was in the midweek prayer meeting, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit came upon him, and he began to speak in tongues. And he's continuing on doing a great work for God. And literally hundreds of thousands of people have heard the gospel through him and his... uh, Facebook account's been shut a number of times, but he just keeps popping it up some other way. (laughs) He's like public enemy number one outside of God's kingdom right now. I don't even want to say his name (laughs) on, on live. But anyway, baptism in the Holy Spirit. 
I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I got saved in Toronto. I was 18 years of age. And when I got saved, Jesus transformed my life. And I was telling everybody at work, I was the youngest of 70 men, the youngest, and they were pretty abusive to me, not in a real bad way, just kind of push you around, make fun of you, that kind of thing. And uh, the more they pushed, the stronger I got, you know, because I didn't care. I knew I was right. <laughs> when Jesus is in your heart, it doesn't matter how much they make fun or any. I just knew I, I had found something, and I didn't care. <laughs> I didn't want to fit in with the crowd. But anyway, so I'm saved, and I'm starting to go to church. I don't even know it's a Pentecostal church. I don't know what that word means. I'm going there, and uh, some of the young people start to talk to me and say, you know, you need to experience more. You need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I didn't say this, but I thought this. I thought, I need more? What are you guys doing? I'm witnessing every day. I'm reading my Bible like it's the last book that I'll ever be able to read. I'm in, I'm, I was thinking this in my head, thinking, you're telling me I... But I knew they, had, they knew the Lord, so I wanted to listen. I knew that if it was in the Bible, then I better not shun what they had to say. And so I sought the Lord and uh, thought, well, I'll come to the front of the church and ask them to pray for me. And so they... The, some different individuals came to pray that I'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I opened my mouth, and you know what? The radio didn't come on. That's what people think the Holy Spirit baptism is. You open your mouth, and then all of a sudden, God takes 100% control. Oh, there's a few times when he does something pretty sp- supernatural. But the Bible says they spoke as the Spirit gave them utterance. So nothing happened. So I went home pretty discouraged, to be honest with you thinking, I guess I'm not good enough for this gift because I heard other people speaking in tongues. That night was about midnight and I laid in my bed and I was praying. And as I was praying, a couple of, a couple of words came into my mouth that were a little different, so I said them and two more words came and some more words came and the next thing you know, wow, there's a river flowing out of my life. And I am wide awake now. (laughs) I don't know what time I went to sleep eventually. But I know the next day at work, I was still so overflowing with the Holy Spirit, working with those Italian boys who were speaking Italian, and I was the young guy, so I just listened. When they spoke Italian, I could hardly control myself from not speaking out in tongues. It was really a, a, a special dousing of the Holy Spirit, I guess you'd say. He really filled me with the Holy Spirit. And there was a girl from Trinidad there who was in our youth group and had been giving me some counsel. And I saw her the day after the baptism, and she was across the room. And uh, she looked at me and she said, you got it, didn't you? <laughs> she could tell because there was such a, a empowering that came that I couldn't hide it. Anyway, that was my experience. My wife shared her experience last night at the First Love Church and Hers is different. She was in a car (laughs) and baptized in the Holy Spirit with a backslidden person in the other part of the car driving it. You never know. It can happen in in church. It can happen wherever. But for a lot of people, especially those that are cerebral, and I'm a little bit like that. I've got to figure it out, you know. Best thing I say is get alone. God will fill you, and you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
a language will come. And don't expect it to be a radio when you open your mouth and all of a sudden there's a, a new channel on there with another language. You do your part. You, you pray and ask God, and most of the time, God just comes, and the language comes too. You know, I had a book, this book, not this exact book, in my library for years. I was given it by a Presbyterian minister when I pastored in Grimsby. Gave me a lot of wonderful books. And this one just had kind of a lame title, I thought. The Christ of Every Road. I I hate to say lame, but nothing grabbed me about it. So it sat on my shelf. And when I finished as a regional director a few years ago... I had about 600 books. I, I just said, take them to the, arch, uh, to the archives. Yeah, it was the archives. That's what you call it. And distribute it, whoever wants them. So now I am not a regional director. I'm studying and I'm reading. And this one writer keeps referring to this book by E. Stanley Jones. And it's called every, The Christ of Every Road. And I thought, I know this author. He would not keep re- referring to somebody who wasn't good. So I went to my library to find it, and guess what? I had given it away. So guess what I wanted to do? I wanted to buy it. So I went online, amazon.ca.com. Well, it was there. It was $2,600. Well, it's out of print and much in demand. Well, that didn't de- well, it did deter me, but I kept looking, and eventually I found it for about $50. Since then, I've got two other copies because I keep going. And last time I looked a week ago, he couldn't find it at all. I think somebody was trying to sell the dust cover for 50 bucks. But anyway, what a great book. This is written by a Methodist, Brother Paul. And this, this man, E. Stanley Jones, who lived in the 1800s, was a missionary in China. And E. Stanley Jones, in his book, says, basically, I'll boil it all down. He says, just like Jesus said to the disciples, don't go out and try to win the world without the baptism in the Holy Spirit. E. Stanley Jones says, don't come to India and try to be a missionary back in the 1800s. Back when it was a, little, a lot different then. Go try to be a missionary without the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And he just keeps going over and over, telling experience after experience of talking with Muslims and Hindus, Buddhists, and how he won them to Christ, and how they could not resist the power of the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit spoke through them, how God came, saved them, filled them with the Spirit. Brought, he said missionaries came over, and he said, you better be filled with the Holy Spirit, and they weren't filled with the Holy Spirit, and they returned beaten and defeated because they needed that extra help. We need that extra help. <laughs> And so many of us just managed to get through life in this comfortable Canada with this canopy of protection from our forefathers that's slowly dissipating and we're getting leaking roofs over our heads. We still have a wonderful place to live and we can get by, it seems, without the Holy Spirit. When I was in Panama, I was asked to go there to help out with the ordination of missionaries. When I was there, Pastor Terry Bone from Canada said something at the beginning of one of his messages. He said this, referring to Acts chapter 2, Pentecost was an event that needed an explanation. Right? Get it? 
Remember Peter's, they all came around and said, what is going on here in Acts chapter 2? Peter says, this is what the prophet Joel said, explained what was going on as people were speaking in these other languages. And then he made this confession. He said, when I was a pastor in Ontario, most of our services were explanations that needed an event. <laughs> Isn't that great? It was an event that needed an explanation and too many of our services are explanations that need an event. We need an in intervention of the Holy Spirit in our midst. Hallelujah. I, I like predictability, but I like how the Holy Spirit wants to do things. And he'll work through my personality, and he can still do great things. Well, that was a long introduction, wasn't it? It's time to go home almost. <laughs> Haven't even got to the Bible story. Under the oak tree is the sermon title, and I'll try to be quick as I go through it today. As we look at uh, slide number three, <coughs> or four, or whatever it is, 1 Corinthians, thanks, Glenna, we'll go to the scripture. <coughs> when Paul's referring to Old Testament, he says this, Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts in evil things. He's talking about the things that happened there. These things happened to them as an example, and they were written down as warnings to us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. Hallelujah. We live in that time of the fulfillment of the ages. Amen. This is what it's all about. That's what Jesus came, and we're living in the last of the last days. It says in Romans chapter 15, and I know that I get this read every time I read something from the Old Testament. Let's read it in unison. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Hallelujah. May God give us hope through the word today. Amen. When I started off in ministry, I started off in my hometown where I lived as a heathen, not a Christian. Now I'm back there as a pastor, knew everybody outside the church, nobody, nobody, knew no one in the church, and so I had lots of people to meet. When I would go to visit some of the seniors as part of my responsibility, I don't know how many times they said to me, you know, I was praying that morning, and I really needed God to come and encourage me or speak to me or help me. And guess what happened? Pastor Shepherd came to my door. And Pastor Shepherd said, you know, the Lord spoke to me that I should come and visit you today. Or I, the Lord spoke to me that I should call you today. I got the privilege of working with Pastor Dave Shepherd for over 10 years. A man that was led by the Spirit. It says, uh, well, it was like a model. He never personally mentored me in those days, but I felt mentored. I thought, that's what I need and I need the baptism in the Holy Spirit so that I can be led by the Spirit and not miss the cues that God has for me every day. When I was in Perry Sound, I'm still there, youth pastor. My dad had this fellow, friend of his, John was his name. His wife was coming to our church. John wasn't saved. He was my dad's drinking buddy. And I got to know them through some of the fishing times that we had together on the ice. Anyway, John decided to end his life, and he took a gun, shotgun, put it in his mouth, and pulled the trigger. I guess he didn't pull it like that. Somehow he did it. And he lived through it amazingly, blew the top head of part of his head off and all what's in between his mouth and there. 
And he was in St. Mike's Hospital in a coma. And there's no hope for him. He would not live. That was the prognosis. Well, I'm in Perry Sound back in the 70s now. This is a three-hour drive, or at least three and a half maybe to St. Mike's. And uh, so I felt the Lord say to me, go, see John in the hospital. So make a long story short, I followed the leading of the Holy Spirit. I went to St. Mike's Hospital. I went to the floor that he was in, and I asked about his room, and they said, well, he's in a coma, you know. And I said, okay, thank you. I'll just go in. I'm a pastor. I'm going to pray for him. I walked in the room, and when I, my foot crossed the threshold, I looked over, and he's, his eyes opened. Amazing. Could not talk to me. The speech part of his brain was destroyed, but he was conscious. He knew what was going on, and through squeezing my hand, to make a long story short, John received Christ as his Savior. He got sent back to Perry Sound. Pastor who was with me, the senior pastor, went to visit him too. In the bed beside John was this other guy. <laughs> Carl's his name. Carl received Jesus through the visit of the other pastor. Carl's family came to church, got saved, became part of that church. John went to heaven. Hallelujah. He's in heaven. His wife has since gone, and now they're together again. <laughs> Thank God for that. How important to be led by the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says, Those who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. I have known people that are wonderful Christian people that I would consider godlier than I am that have not received the baptism in the Holy Spirit and that God leads them. I know He leads them. I know He speaks to them. So this is not a, anything at all. I'm just saying I needed something more and I believe God wants all of us. So in those, those early days of ministry, I learned the importance of being led by the Spirit to take his cues. It's not like I got up every day and said, okay, God, what do you want me to do today? No, I have jobs to do when I'm a pastor. I need to study. I need to pray. I need to visit, all those things. But I have to keep my ear attuned to the Spirit that he might say, put something on my heart, and I would follow it up with a phone call or a visit. That's what it's like to be filled with the Spirit of God in ministry. You need to have the Lord leading you in your life. Strange as it's going to seem to you, I'm going to turn to an Old Testament story and a very strange story to bring home a point about being under the oak tree. It's found in uh, 1 Kings chapter 13. It'll be on the screen. There are six notables in this story, as you can see. There's an unnamed prophet from Judah. There's a king from Israel called Jeroboam. There's an old prophet from Bethel. There's an oak tree, a donkey, and a lion. Some of you know the story already. What does this have to do with a Pentecostal Sunday? Well, I hope it has something to do with it. The very first verse, as Glenna headed up there a second ago, or it says, By the word of the Lord, a man of God came from Judah to Bethel as Jeroboam was standing by the altar to make an offering. Two things are wrong with this picture. Number one, if you're in Judah, you don't want to go to Bethel. Judah is the southern kingdom. They're following God better than the northern kingdom or Israel or Bethel, one of the worship centers. And so to, for you as a prophet to go there, 
you're probably going to get persecuted, if not executed. Second thing wrong with that picture, the king is making an offering at the altar. King Jeroboam was not a godly king. It is not his job to offer offerings. It's the priest's job. So there's two problems with that. One of them is a personal problem, a risk for that young prophet being told, I want you to go to this foreign place where they don't like you, don't want to hear anything you have to say. And when you get there, this king, the king is going to be offering something at the altar. I have never, I've been pretty close to Queen Elizabeth a couple of times before she died, but not in her presence. nor in the prime ministers or presidents or any world leaders. But I kind of think it would, be, it would be just feel some, some respect there for that position, right? And so here he comes and the king is there. I'm pretty sure he would have had some kingly robe on of some kind. And so we go to the next verse. By the word of the Lord, this young prophet cries out against the altar. <laughs> Really, God? Like, it's bad enough you tell me to go to Judah, or to Bethel, and now you're going to tell me to talk to an altar. Hey, altar, altar, <laughs> you know, like, come on. They're going to put me in the loony bin no time at all, right? This is what the Lord says. A son is going to be born named Josiah from the house of David. <laughs> you remember, that's Judah. On you, Josiah is going to sacrifice the high priests of the, the, the pardon me, sacrifice the priests of the high places who make offerings here, and human bones are going to be, just so you know, Mr. Altar. <laughs> Pretty strange, isn't it? But when you're led by the Spirit, you better know that it's the Holy Spirit leading you to go into enemy territory. And then when he says to do something like that, that was always my fear. As a Pentecostal, God is going to tell me to do something stupid like that. You know? That's part of me. It's not stupid if God tells you, but it feels stupid, right? If that's, it's not enough to talk to an altar. He says, there's going to be someone named Josiah. Well, Josiah hasn't been born yet. 365 years later, Josiah is born. And if you'll see, just have a quick glance at the next two scriptures. These two scriptures just verify in Second Kings, yeah, Josiah burned the ground. The next scripture, let's look at that one quickly. The next scripture would just say another thing about this Josiah, that basically he fulfilled exactly what was said by this prophet. So let's go here to uh, another miraculous sign that takes place. Verse thir- chapter 13, verse 3. The same day... The man of God gave the sign that the altar would, he says, the Lord has declared to you, Mr. Altar, (laughs) that you're going to split and ashes are going to be poured out on you. Well, this guy has really lost it. And the king reaches out to seize him. And what happens? God strikes the king's hand and arm and it shrivels up. It's now paralyzed or something like that. Verse 4, when King Jeroboam heard what the man of God had cried to go against the altar at Bethel, he stretched out his hand from the altar and said, seize him. But the hand that he stretched out toward the man shriveled up so that he could not pull it back. So the altar was split apart and its ashes poured out according to the sign given by the man of God by the word of the Lord. 
And then the king said to the man of God, intercede with, this is strange, intercede with the Lord your God and pray for me that my hand might be restored. And lo and behold, wouldn't you know, God would have mercy and heal him, it says. And, and so the man of God interceded. The hand, king's hand was restored just as it was before. And the king was so happy. He said, come on home to my house. I've got a gift for you. Well, what are you going to do about that? If I was going to be invited to the king's house, and he says he got a gift for me, I think I'd see dollar signs, wouldn't you? <laughs> Especially after that. <laughs> so what happens? It's a great temp- tempting invitation. Then in verse number 8, this prophet says, or it says here, but the man of God answered the king, even if you gave me half of what you have, all your possessions, half of what you have, I should say, I would not go with you, nor would I eat your bread or drink water here, for I was commanded by the word of the Lord that you must not eat bread or drink water or return by the way you came. So he took another road and didn't return by the way he had come to Bethel. Even if I give you half of your possessions. Well, this didn't happen in a corner. There were lots of people there that day. And you can imagine the buzz in Bethel. What happened today? So there's this old prophet in town. And his boys come home and they say, Dad, you wouldn't believe what we saw happen today. And they tell the old prophet of Bethel the story. Verse 11, it says, Now there was a certain old prophet living at Bethel, whose sons came and told him all that the man of God had done there that day. They also told their father what he had said to the king. Their father asked them, Which way did he go? And his sons showed him which road the man of God from Judah had taken. And so he said to his son, Saddle the donkey for me. And when he had saddled the donkey... uh, When they had settled the donkey for him, he mounted, and he rode after the man of God. And the rest of that verse, (laughs) where did I put it? The next slide, I guess, verse 4. The rest of verse 14 says, he found him. He caught up with him. And where did he find him? He found the man sitting under an oak tree. He said, are you the man of God who came from Judah today? And the newspapers are... Trying to get this story straight? (laughs) He finds him under the oak tree. Hmm. Do you think that was a good idea to stop under the oak tree? Well, the Bible would indicate that it probably wasn't a good idea. Because this old prophet is not walking with God. He's a prophet from Bethel, Samaria, Israel. I think I'm just going to skip this part for time's sake, but just tell you what happened. So the old prophet is sitting with him, and he says to the young prophet, uh, come on, we're to my house for supper. I'd like to give you something to eat. And he says, no, the word of the, the God told me not even to eat or drink, but just go to town, do this, leave by another road, and don't stop. And the old prophet says something. He says, That's okay. An angel told me to tell you it's all right to come to my house. An angel. So an angel can uh, say something that supersedes the word, I guess. Sounds 
Mormonish to me. Right? It does. Anyway. So, <coughs> what he does is he goes home with the old prophet. They're sitting there, and while the food's still in his mouth, this is what the Bible says, you can read it. The Lord comes upon the old prophet, and he says, You're going to be cursed, you're not going to live. Because you have disobeyed and defied the word of the Lord. So he lied to him, basically. And then he says, you're going to be cursed because you didn't obey what the Lord has said to you to do. And so the young man wipes his mouth, I suppose, grabs his donkey, and off he goes. Before he gets very far, a lion comes out of the bushes or somewhere, jumps on the man, kills the man, And he's left on the road, dead, with the donkey beside him and the lion beside the donkey. Strange, isn't it? People are walking along the road and they said, they go back to Bethel and they say, there's this body on the road with a lion and a donkey. Anyway, the old prophet figures out what's happened, sure enough. You know, that was something else. Like lions, they say, I wouldn't want to take my chances on this, but they won't eat you unless they're hungry. So I'm guessing why would they attack the man and kill him but be cuddly with the donkey for a few hours? I don't know, (laughs) but they were. It's kind of a miraculous story. So the old prophet, I'll tell you the story. He says, uh, this guy is the real deal. I want you to bury his bones, and when I die, put my bones beside his, because... So Josiah comes 365 years later, he knows the story, and he says, we're going to take up all the bones of those ungodly priests, like that old prophet, we're going to burn them on this old altar, but don't take the bones of the unnamed prophet, that man of God that came with this message. That's the story in a nutshell. The Holy Spirit led that young prophet to go and do some pretty unusual things. But it was God's will. And I think if he hadn't stopped under the oak tree, he would have been well on his way. You know, I could just tell you some wonderful things about, like I told you about that one incident in Toronto. There's a few times I could fill a biography with some of the things where the Lord has led me. But I have my own miscues as well. One time I was visiting for two or three hours in a hospital and young pastor, early days, hot as anything in that old hospital. There was no air conditioning. And I got to the bottom floor and I'm ready to leave. And it was Friday afternoon. I was tired and hot, three hours of visitation. And I just remembered, oh yeah, they said there's somebody in that was not a Christian that they wanted me to visit and I thought, I need a break. So I went home that night, and he died that night. Hmm. Miss Q's. You think I would learn from something like that, but I didn't. When I was pastoring the last church before I became in the dist- work in the district, was in Barrie, Ontario, and we had about 500 people in our church usually, some more, some less, a multi-staff, and uh, a wonderful church. 
I was also the, uh, so I'm the pastor of the pastors. I'm the pastor of the church. I am a section presbyter, presbyter too, at that time. I'm the father of four sons. I'm a hockey coach. I'm a part-time seminary student at Tyndale. Planting a church, South Barry, that's over a thousand people today. By this time, you know, in ministry, I'm older, I'm wiser, I'm comfortable, I guess, by some of the standards of my colleagues, not in God's eyes, but my colleagues might consider that successful. Devotion still, yeah, still do my devotions. Devotion, not so sure. Kind of busy, you know. Compromise with sin, maybe just couple little ones, you know. Too much TV, too little meditation. Hard work without proper rest. Wrong priorities. That was me. And uh, so it was March in 1999, and uh, so I'm this busy pastor. And uh, didn't even realize I'd stopped under the oak tree, but I had. So I went up to, I felt really prompted that I needed to see my dad. He wasn't a Christian. So I went up to Perry Sound to go visit him because I knew I needed to spend some time with him. And just before I left, my cousin in Mississauga called me and said, I'd like to go with you. How about I drive to Barrie and we'll go together? And something inside me said, tell him to take his own car. Well, that doesn't make any sense to you, does it? (laughs) Like, go to talk to an altar, you know? No, I didn't. I wouldn't say that to my cousin. So I said, sure, come on. I knew I had to spend some time with my dad. We just get in the car. We're up the 400 extension. My cousin turns and says, oh, by the way, my daughter's going into labor anytime, and I may have to come back early. I was thinking, oh, I blew it. Well, we went. Didn't get time to spend with my dad other than hello, see the big fish we caught, and away. I went back to Barrie. That was... That was Saturday. Sunday, after the morning service, I felt the Holy Spirit. I didn't know. I just felt this prompting, go visit my dad. But I thought, I've got to come back for the Sunday night service. It's two hours there. Short visit, come back. No, no. Didn't do it because I had a Sunday night service. The next morning, I got up and I had a seminary class later that day. And I felt, got to go see my dad. And I really felt strongly to do it. But I just wasn't sure, is this just me or what is it, you know? So I frittered around until it was too late, and I didn't go. Back in Tuesday now, ready to go into a board meeting, 6 o'clock at night, the phone rings, my sister's on the other, the other end of the line, she's bawling. dad's gone he died sometime in Monday night they figure when he went outside and just had a heart attack instantly dead laying on the ground the next morning when my brother found him (laughs) the oak trees boy I'm a Pentecostal I've been led by the spirit What happened yesterday doesn't always help me out for today. (laughs) I need to help every day. Galatians chapter 3, verse 3 says to Pentecostals, 
because they were all Pentecostal, I'm sure, in Galatia Church. Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain the goal by human effort? I guess that's what I was doing. Two chapters later, he says, Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit, or let's walk in the Spirit, depending on your translation. So, what's the point of this sermon today? We're a Pentecostal church. Many of us have been filled with the Holy Spirit, and we've spoken in tongues. It may have happened years ago. And uh, one, of the, one of the things that I wanted to do, but I forgot, was to bring down my graduation gown, right? And my cap and put it on for a minute. I got the baptism in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> That's our biggest problem. We think that we graduated. we just begun. And so the next slide is the answer to my problem. I leak. And so do you. (laughs) That's why Paul said to the Christians in Ephesus, he said, don't get drunk with wine, which is to the excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be being filled. It's the, the translation is not be filled once and for all, get your graduation cap and say, I'm a full-fledged Pentecostal for life. <laughs> no, being a Pentecostal is to be filled with the Spirit every day. And I believe that the move of the Holy Spirit that we want to see in Canada is going to happen when whether it's Pentecostals or Baptists or Methodists or whoever, they get before God and they say every day, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. And so one of my prayers every day is not just God, forgive me for my sins, but God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. And if I find out that I got some holes there that are just a little bit too big and he can't even fill me, then I say, God, help me fill that crack right now with your forgiveness and grace so that I can be filled up. And then tomorrow I'll get into the word of God. I'll sing and make melody in my heart to the Lord and I'll be filled with the Holy Spirit and I'll walk in the spirit and I won't miss the miscues. I got to live with that. I have to live with that. My father led Dozens of people to the Lord as a pastor. Seeing miracles happen. But my dad that I've been praying for for all those years, did he get to heaven? I don't know. But I know I missed the cue from the Holy Spirit. Because in Barrie, I sat under an oak tree. Because I'd done the job. (laughs) So what do I say to you as people in Warden? And a new chapter that begins in a couple of weeks with a pastor that I'm so excited about for you. Anyway, some living messages of warning, encouragement, and hope. We need to finish the race, amen? Never quit. Don't stop. Sit under the oak trees along the pathway of our lives. Worship team, come on up. Obey the following of the Lord. Read God's word. Pray every day. And expect to live the most exciting life on planet Earth. Hallelujah. Amen. Why don't we stand together? As the worship team comes, I know that Brother Joel has has picked out a song, says, I need you. So I need God every day to fill me. We need him every day. We need him this moment. Hallelujah. We need him tomorrow. And so maybe today, before you go home, you just want to come, stand around the altar and say, God, fill me again. 
Fill me anew, fill me afresh. I don't care if you already speak in tongues or not. You still need to be asking God every day, be filled, be being filled. Amen. So God, bless your word to our hearts. I pray, Lord, in the days ahead that we'll see and hear great things that you're doing here at Warden as people seek the Lord and pray, as they follow the cues of the Holy Spirit and don't miss his leading. So bless them, I pray. Bless this next chapter. Bless Pastor Peter as he prepares his heart and prepares for this new venture. Bless the church board as they work together. Bless all the workers of this church. We thank you for them. And now, Lord, speak to us through your word and help us to walk in the spirit and not try to maintain this life through efforts in our own human life. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen.